Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Beyond the Ropes, a boxing podcast brought to you by Easley Boxing Repeat. The place for the Northwest and boxing news, news, reviews, and interviews. Here's your host, Sean Basso. Welcome to episode number 53 of Beyond the Ropes Boxing Podcast. Sean Basto, your host here, as always. And this week, we're going to cover off all the action from the weekend gone by. We had the Frank Warren Bill at the Brentwood Centre. We have the Bills over in America to cover off, obviously, the DAZN Bill with Demetrius Andrade on there. And then, obviously... Boxing history and this week in boxing history We'll go through what's coming up this weekend Because yet again it's another big weekend for boxing across the world And then we'll also have our news and gossip section And a couple of questions via the social media channels So before I begin It's just me (laughs) There's nobody else on the show this week Hamed is busy. I tried to get Cameron Gill on. I don't know if you know Cameron. He, he writes for Boxing Monthly. He's writes for Boxing News as well, I believe. So hopefully I'll be able to get him on in a future episode. But it is just me, myself and I today. So I want to start right at the top of the bill then. And I think for me, the British card is where I want to start with. And the Brentwood Centre and the Frank Warren Show this weekend. So... I said it on the episode last week that there was going to be two significant fights on this card for people to look out for, which was the Garton Corcoran fight and the Chelly Sadiq fight. And both of them fights didn't disappoint whatsoever. The Garton Corcoran fight was an absolute cracking fight. A really, really, really good fight. And I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting it to be as good as that. But fair play to Johnny Garton for toughing it out and picking up the victory and picking the British welterweight title up. It was a really, really good fight. It it seemed to change the tide of the fight. It seemed to change once Johnny Garton, funnily enough, got cut. It was like he'd got this second wind or this... So it inspired him in a weird way to, to really push on and, and push Corker into the limit and obviously stopped him in round 11, TKO, and he wins the British welterweight title. Now, if you don't know about Johnny Garton and his story, he's a guy that's never been expected to get to this level. So there was a lot of people that were really happy for him this weekend just gone. And there were some people that said the fight was poor and the fight was... You know, quite a bad fight because they're both gassing, there was no skill involved. But sometimes in boxing, you get these fights where both men will just stand toe to toe. And, and sometimes, yes, it doesn't look like the most technically sound fight, but you enjoy it, you enjoy watching it. You, you're on the edge of your seat because you don't know who's going to go first, you don't know who's going to drop first when these big swinging punches are coming in. And sometimes the technicality of boxing goes out the window. And it creates a really, really good fight. I mean, if you look at some of the biggest fights and greatest fights in the years, some of them 
have gone in a similar fashion. And, and I mean, look at... Let's, let's give an example. I'm just trying to think of ones off the top of my head examples. I mean, I'd say it's like the Gatti Ward fight was, was, was very much a, a fight... Uh, like this in in this type of a style a phone box fight a fight where no one was going to take a step back and both men yeah they obviously looked tired towards the end of the fight and it probably looked a little bit like at times uh, a street fight or a pub fight but it delivered and for me that that was what was important about this card we had to have a couple of fights that delivered and delivered in style because the rest of the card, as I was saying, just seemed very run-of-the-mill. A few of the Frank Warren guys getting out there and you know, getting themselves active, shaking off any ring rust, getting themselves ready for maybe a big fight coming up in the future. And, and this Johnny Garton Corcoran fight was a really, really good fight. And I urge people, if you didn't catch the fight, go and watch it on YouTube and, and come back and tell me that you didn't enjoy it because it was a really good fight. Definitely a good fight. Another fight I made attention to last week was the Zach Shelley Jr. and the Umar Sadiq fight. Now this was a fight where both of them are at a similar stage of the career, quite early on in the career and weren't afraid to step in with each other, putting their undefeated records on the line. It's good that this fight happened because you don't see these fights happen a lot at this stage of the career. You see, you know, a lot of promoters will I'm not saying all promoters do this, by the way, but a lot of promoters do put the guys in, you know, 10, 12, 14, 15 fights with guys that are not always fit to lace the boots up. Do you know what I mean? It's Sometimes it can be a little bit ridiculous how long a fighter can go on fighting guys that are, are not at the same level. But this was a great fight. Again, Sakcheli won on points over eight rounds. It was a really good fight. He dropped Umar Sadiq. Oh, I can't remember which round it was in. Five, four, five comes to mind. But it was a really, really good fight. A close, competitive fight between two undefeated fighters. And this is the type of fight that both of them needed to move on in the career because both of them had been in with fighters that I've just been referring to. Fighters that fight on the road. Fighters that are there to, to earn a living fighting on the road. And they don't always learn everything they need to learn. And this is a very, very good learning fight at a very early stage of both the careers. I think we'll see both of them move on. I think Umar Sadiq is definitely a, a future prospect and someone who will come back and, and potentially do well. Zach Chelle is being touted as one of the up-and-coming stars of the super middleweight division. When you get the quartet of middle uh, super middleweight fighters that we've got at the moment all sort of coming towards the latter end of their careers, someone like Zach Chelle is, 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 is a promising young star who we're going to see over the next few years if he continues to progress the way he's progressing and continues to get into you know these types of big fights you got to remember as well he's actually he's only 20 year old he's only 20 years old he's got a lot of years ahead of him and if he can be steadily progressed in good learning fights and not just the same style of fighter the same type of fighter for the next 10 fights he's gonna he's gonna go far and we'll, we'll know if he's gonna go far or not as the tests come that was a really good fight. So he wins 77-74 on points over eight rounds and moves on and, and hopefully we'll be looking at challenging for a professional title within the next few fights because based on the performance I've seen, he's definitely ready for it. He's definitely ready to step up and, and, and look for a, a title fight. Anthony Yard was on the card as well. We talked about this a little bit in detail last week and he was on there against Walter Sequeira and it's really frustrating for me with Yard because I do feel, based on what I've seen of him so far and what I've just been talking about in the conversation, he, he, he's a guy that needs to be stepped up. There's only so many times you can put Anthony Yard in with a below-par level fighter. Anthony Yard should be fighting bigger names, if not domestically, then at least some really, really good European fighters. He's 16 and 0 before this fight. He's now 17 and 0. You want to see him at this stage of his career fighting good domestic opposition, or at least minimum standard European opposition. <clears throat> I don't think if we can. Well, if I think if we continue to get this level of opposition, people are going to start to get a bit bored of it a bit too quickly. And, and but I think all people already say 
they're already fed up of it. Now, I, I can't argue with the fact that he looks like a, a real good talent and he looks like he's got power and he looks like he's got the speed and tenacity to do well. But I want to see him up with a big fighter. And if you look at the light heavyweight rankings for Britain, you've got the likes of Callum Johnson, Joshua Buatzi, Frank Buglione, Liam Conroy, Hosea Burton, Jake Ball, Ricky Summers, Craig Richards. These are all the types of guys, really, that you want to, to see Anthony Yard in with. You want to see him in with a big-name fighter. You want to see him in with someone domestically that will challenge him, whether he will then be ready to step up. Because if he continues at this level that he's at at the moment, if he does step up then and make a bit of a jump in class, there's quite a strong possibility he's going to get found out if he's not had the experience of fighting a certain level of fighters. I mean, look how Bacola and Ritson got found out last week. This could happen to Anthony Yard. I really, really want them to move him on. I really do. I think he's got the potential on paper and from what I've seen, but I need to see him in with a legit threat to him. Someone who will take him the rounds, that will give him the trouble, that will make him overcome adversity. That's what I want to see from Anthony Yard. I don't want to keep seeing him in with guys like Sakara because... I don't think it's doing anything more for him in his career at this moment in time. Also on that card, we had Nathan Gorman. And again, he's another guy now that I think he's ready to be stepped up and ready to get that sort of next level opposition. I think if he's chasing this fight with Dubai, he needs to step up as well. They're both stepping up at the same time and... It is boiling for a fight between these two at some point. I think that we need to see it sooner rather than later. But, again, it's just depending on how how they guide the careers. I mean, Frank Warren, at times, has got a bit of a reputation for taking these fighters, milking them, so to speak. You know, getting so many fights out of them before they eventually step up to that level. I think in this day and age, I think it's it's I think it's time to if they're ready for it and they're beating everything that's put around them, why are you not stepping them up to the next level? Why are you continuing to put them in with guys that they're just gonna keep beating and not learn anything from? Also, Bradley Skeet returned on this card and picked up a victory. And another guy who I think who needs to be thrown straight back into the mix is Bradley Skeet. Obviously, he had his defeat earlier on this year to the Spanish Kermit Lajara, who is due to be fighting Frankie Gavin, I believe, at some point soon. Uh, I think, for me... I think Bradley Skeet needs to be thrown straight back in the mix now. I really do. I mean, again, you look at the British welterweight scene at the moment and you've got guys like Frankie Gavin around. You've got guys like Josh Kelly around. You've got guys like Johnny Garton who's just become the British champion. Maybe that is a viable fight for them. I would like to see that. I think Bradley Skeet is that level and it would show whether Johnny Garton could move up a level by fighting someone like Bradley Skeet. I mean, what's the point of hanging around now? What's the point? There's no point. You need to to step in. That's what we want to see. As fans, uh, as guys that love the sport, we want to see this happen. So Bradley Skeet picks up a number win over the weekend. And guys like Lucian Reed and Boy Jones Jr. also picked up wins on this particular card. Just want to touch on the Brentwood Centre and the trouble that was there at the Brentwood Centre. I've seen social media videos and I got a better picture and understanding of the trouble that was there. And from listening to the guys on New Age Boxing Podcast this week who were there, I think it was Terry Chaplin-Dema who was there, and the way he described the, uh, the situation, there's no place for this. There's no place for it at all. I don't understand why guys in particular like to go out get drunk, get coked out of the mind and think it's alright to just start a load of trouble with people. 
I, I honestly don't understand what the the logic is behind it. I mean, yeah, we get it on nights out. If you go on a standard night out these days, that's exactly what you're going to get. But you, you you pay thirty five minimum for a ticket, sometimes forty, fifty, sixty for tickets to go to see the boxing. Why would you want to waste your money just to go there for a fight? You know, you can get a fight with anybody for free these days. Everybody wants to fight you, so I don't understand why you'd want to do that. It's just ridiculous, and it spoils it for the genuine fans that want to go and I've seen a few comments on social media about you know dads taking the kids and, and not wanting to do that anymore because of the fact that this is what happens I mean I don't think it's a a major issue because the amount of shows up and down the country that go on yeah, I mean it's what is it once every every 10 20 shows or something like that but it seems to be starting to become a bit of a reoccurrence as of recently I mean, God forbid what is going to happen between the Josh Warrington fans and the Carl Frampton fans, the Leeds United fans and the Irish in Manchester in December. God forbid what's going to happen there. I can't imagine what that's going to be like. And then you're going to get fans of guys like Mark Efron. You know, there's some real hardcore fans there, and I think that'll be a bit of a challenging night, and they will need to keep that one in order because there could be some issues with that. Well, this is what I'm talking about. It's it's not great. It doesn't do... Uh, the, the sport any justice and it's not good for the genuine fans that are just paying to, 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 to genuinely there to be watched the boxing and not to be getting pissed and coked out of the mind it's just a shame that that had to spoil it just a little bit so that was that card on Saturday night there was a couple of other cards around the country just a bit of a shout out really to Jake Haig Nathan Heaney both picking up victories up in Stoke and Connor Walker, who made his debut there in Stoke as well. So that sort of covers the action for for the UK and the shows in the UK this weekend. So I want to move on then and go over to the US of A and talk about Manny Rodriguez, Jason Maloney, Dorticos and Masternak, and also a fight that I completely forgot about was Mike Perez, Kitapia. So, Manny Rodriguez, I talked about him last week. He beat Paul Butler for the vacant IBF title. Looks really good in doing so. For me, came came on the world stage at that point because I'd not really known much of him beforehand. And again, against Jason Maloney, he, he looked decent. He looked a guy, like a guy that's still got a little bit more to learn, even though he has become a world champion. But he's got a very, very tough ask in his next one because he's got Naoa Anui in the next round of the World Boxing Super Series. But this fight was quite a competitive fight. I'd never heard of Jason Maloney before, I'll be honest. I'd never seen anything of him before this fight. So it was good to be able to see the Aussie and know that after the performance he put on, although he lost, he will be floating around the bantamweight division and potentially, I hate to say this, but potentially might be a sort of gatekeeper for world level maybe for guys that are coming up he might end up that way I could be wrong it's not saying that that's definitely going to be the case but I kind of get this feeling that anyone that's got something to them at world level will outpoint him will beat him and he'll sort of look at look at him as a bit of a gatekeeper to guys that are trying to push for that world level status so Manny Rodriguez picked up the victory I'm not too sure why one of the cards was scored to, to Jason Maloney I don't know what the judge was watching there because for me it was a good 8 to eight rounds to 4 for Manny Rodriguez but he picks up the split decision and he moves on for Neo Anue in the next one that's going to be a cracking fight I'm really excited now to see how that clash of styles is going to play out Yun El Dutikos or Yun El Dutikos I'm getting his name wrong uh, beats Matthias Masternak and picks up the victory to move on in the cruiserweight tournament. He goes the distance, and Masternak was a guy that I think I said last week, he's a very durable fighter. He's a guy that takes a lot of fighters the distance. He previously, his last defeat before facing Dr. Costa was actually to Tony Bellew in 2015, and I said that last week about him previously facing Bellew and took Bellew the distance and we know he's a, a tough, tough fighter and obviously Dortikos is known as being a bit of a knockout artist in the last few fights leading up to the loss to Gassiev and obviously going into this fight but it's good to see him back in action he's, he's got to be 
for me, one of the favourites to, to win it this time. I think he was unlucky last time. I think he gassed and he got caught with a big hook. And obviously that was good night Vienna for him. But I do think there's a good chance he might be there and thereabouts in the final this time round. I think he deserves it. He, he puts himself across really, really well. And great story behind him as well. If you watch some of the little documentaries that they do, it's really, really good to see the guy and, and where he's at. Also on that card, as I was saying earlier, I didn't realise Mike Perez was fighting Keith Tapia for the right to be the reservist for the World Boxing Super Series Cruiserweight Tournament. I didn't, I don't know, I don't know if it's me being ignorant, but I didn't realise they actually did that. I thought they just already had somebody there lined up for it, you know, that they kind of booked in as a as a fighter. But this, this fight actually was to become the reservist for the Cruiserweight World Boxing Super Series Tournament. Mike Perez, obviously you'll, you'll know of Mike Perez because he was in the Prize Fighter Tournament, which was over here in the UK back in 2013 or 2011. I can't remember exactly when it was, but he's been in with the likes of Bryant Jennings, Alexander Povetkin, Marius Bradis, and then obviously now he's stepped back up again and he's looking to try and get himself an opportunity in the World Boxing Super Series should an injury occur to a fighter in this one. So that was also there at the weekend. Moving on then, also in America, in Las Vegas, the upset of the weekend. So it was Ryota Murata against Robert Brandt for the WBA World Middleweight title. I was speaking last week on the podcast about the fact that they were lining Murata up to fight Golovkin later ne- early next year. Robert Brandt looks like a very, very improved fighter and he very much deserved the victory that he picked up over 12 rounds against Morata. And his only loss on his record was to Jürgen Bremer. So he was moving up when he fought Bremer in the Super Middleweight World Boxing Super Series tournament. And Bremer was moving down. I'm not using that as the excuse for him losing. He was outboxed by the better man on the night. But he come away and completely outboxed Morata over the weekend and picked up the victory. And now he's basically ripped the script up. That's what he's done. The Morata was talking about the fact that they were going to potentially be facing Golovkin or Tom Loeffler was going to be talking about the fact that they were going to be putting him in Morata. And now Brandt comes along and goes, you know what? I don't give a shit about what you're planning. I'm just going there to win the world title. And that's exactly what he did on Saturday night. So congratulations to Robert Brandt. He's, he's, he's turned his career around. Not like it was in a bad position in the first place, but the fact that he was able to go in against a guy who on paper was probably expected to, to lose to. So it was really, really good to see him pick up the victory there on Saturday night and put himself in prime position to fight Gennady Golovkin if that should come off. And that would be really good. I'd be really happy if, if, if that would happen for him because I think he deserved it, to be honest with you. Another fight that I completely overlooked and completely forgot about was Michael Conlon picking up a TKO round 7 victory on that same bill. He just seems to be, at times, over here, especially in the UK, doesn't always get that promotion that... I was expecting, when it comes to a Frank Warren show, they seem to push and push and push the fact that he's on this show because it's usually to, to gain the attention of the Irish fans, of course. But I didn't even see much about the fact that he was fighting. There probably was stuff on social media that I've overlooked or not seen, but the fact that he picked up another victory and he moves now to 9-0, and and I do believe he's being touted for the Frampton Warrington card as well, if that's not already been confirmed. So we will get to see him and hopefully I'll be able to get to see him up close because it's in Manchester. So he picked up another victory on Saturday and moves on in his career as well. So it was really, really good to get to see the highlights of that over the weekend. So I'm pretty happy uh, with the fact that we've had another great weekend for boxing. And we had one more card to cover, which was the Matchroom USA bill on the zone 
and there was quite a few fights on it. The Matchroom B team, <laughs> the Matchroom B team that it was over the weekend, we had Scott Quigg, we had beaten uh, Mario Brions, which was uh, a little bit of a scrap, to be honest with you. Scott Quigg likes to seem to get himself into these scraps now after the loss to Valdez and picks up a TKO round two victory at the weekend. Scott Quigg picks up a good victory there. Talked about Irish heavyweight Niall Kennedy. He picked up the victory via unanimous decision over six rounds at the weekend. Tommy Coyle going over to America, uh, another one of Eddie Hearn's favourite BT matchroom fighters, uh, and also a guy that, if you don't know if you've seen that video, that he um, absolutely dudded, dudded Eddie Hearn, and it was hilarious. It was probably planned for social media, it wouldn't surprise me, but I found it hilarious. He picks up the victory over the weekend, uh, against Ryan Kalishweske. So another victory for Tommy Coyle. I don't know why... I'm not too sure why that fight happened, whether it was just to fill the card for USA fans, for DAZN, and the deal with DAZN. I just... I don't know. It felt like a bit of a meaningless fight for me. Activity, maybe. The same with Kid Galahad. He picked up another victory over the weekend against Takakan Kalera. And... It just felt meaningless. I mean, I want to see these guys get stuck in with big fights. That's what I want. I'm probably not always going to get it, but that's what I'm looking for. I feel like these guys are are ready. I mean, Kid Galahad especially. He's he's still undefeated. He should be getting thrown in with fighters in his division. Now, at this stage, we shouldn't be expecting him to to, to be fighting guys that are relatively unknown like that. Katie Taylor also on the card beating Cindy Serrano in what was a very dominant fight for Katie Taylor. Cindy Serrano really didn't turn up on this night and I think we were obviously looking at what what's next for Katie Taylor. We want to see her in a, in a big fight soon. I think she's, she's going through the opposition quite easily and I want to see her in a big fight. I think she's one of the mega stars of the women's boxing revolution I think with her and people like Clarissa Shields and Cecilia Brackhouse I think she's up there definitely as one of the best female fighters pound for pound so I would like to see her in with a sterner test in the next one someone that's really going to challenge her see things that we've not seen from Katie Taylor yet because a lot of her fights are she makes them quite easy for herself let's be honest and there's not really a lot of fighters out there that can really challenge her but I'm hoping we will get a challenge for Katie Taylor soon so also on that particular card that was the same night we were supposed to see Demetrius Andrade challenged Billy Joe Saunders for the WBO title. That didn't happen, as we discussed last week, because of the drug testing situation. So he fights Walter uh, Carter Duaka. I think that's how you pronounce it. A very unknown fighter, and probably will never be known again after this, because, again, he really didn't give himself a good account. Demetrius Andrade, for me, had a very easy night. And wins that fight 119-105 and 120-104 and two cards. Very straightforward night for Andrade. But I don't think he's shown us the best of Andrade yet. And that's where I have a little bit of an issue with. With is he a legit Andrade? I want to see him in the middleweight division fight a legit fighter. Yes, he beat Brian Rose. But I don't think Brian Rose is world level. He's obviously also beat guys in the light middleweight division like Jack Colkai, Willie Nelson in the past. We're in the middleweight division now. You want to see him fight a legit middleweight fighter. Billy Joe Saunders' fight was the legit fight. We ain't going to get it. Are we going to see him fight the winner of Deryachenko and Danny Jacobs when that happens next weekend? That's what we want to see. We want to see him in a legit fighter now. And I think he's just... Easy work when he's getting guys like this who are relatively unknown. I don't even know how he'd even he was even rated or being able to be put in the position to fight for the world title, Walter Gnartqua. I don't know how. I really don't. But hey ho, there we go. So super featherweight title fight between Tevin Farmer and James Tennyson. 
International Boxing Federation World Super Featherweight title. James Tennyson came up short in this one. Tevin Farmer looked a class above in this fight. And the ending came where it was a pretty brutal body shot followed up by, I think it was a... I think it was a right hook or a right cross that finished it off, but I think it was the body shot that, after effects, that had really caused the issue for Tennyson. He, he looked outclassed in this fight, I'll be honest with you. Uh, on paper, I was hoping Tennyson may be able to pull something off, but he's got the opportunity to come again. He's still 25. I still think he's got an opportunity to be up there and fight in great fights. He's, you know, he beat Martin J. Ward... And he's beat people like Ryan Doyle and Declan Garrity, fighters that we know on the domestic scene that are really good fighters. I still think he's got a good opportunity to become, well, at least get himself another world title fight in the future. But I think he was unclassed in this one. Fair play to Tevin Farmer. Obviously, his story continues to, to, to do well and continues to capture the American audiences. And a lot of people over here have started to know about Tevin Farmer and, and the starts of his career he had. And... Will we see him in in a good super featherweight fight against someone who is more up at the top echelons of the rankings when you've got Miguel Bicharet and you've got Giovanni Davis up there? I think you, you do want to see him in with a big test. Hey, you never know, he could be an opponent for the returning Rigondo, which we'll talk about later on. So, that concludes the coverage of last weekend's action for me. And I think it's time to move on and talk about what's coming up this weekend because yet again it's another fantastic weekend for boxing so what's going on this weekend then well over here in the uk we've got the match room bill coming up this weekend and it's it's not your standard match room bill where it's headlined by like a marquee fighter like an Anthony joshua you know somebody of that nature or a tony bell or anything like that. it's a guy by the name of john Ryder who british fans will know really really well for his up and down career that he's had he's been in some cracking fights and this weekend he steps up yet again after the great victory over jamie cox and great victory over patrick nielsen he's going in there against undefeated andrea sorotkin this weekend so this is being sort of touted as a potential step up for being made it's not an eliminator as such but it's being talked about as a potential fight for being put up at the top of one of the rankings maybe as like a voluntary defense so that'll be interesting i don't know a lot about Sorotkin. I really don't. I'm, I'm not going to lie here and say I know a lot about the guy. I don't. All I know is that he's fought a, a very aged Ricardo Mayorga. That is it. I don't know a lot about his career. I've not seen a lot of him. I've seen a little tiny little clips of him. But I know a lot about John Ryder's career and I know what John Ryder can do. And a lot of British fans will agree me, with me here. He's having... It's like his second wind of his career. I mean... He had a bit of a hit and miss career. 2015, he loses to, to Nick Blackwell. He's 2013, he lost to Billy Joe Saunders. He, he's lost to Jack Arnfield. And then he's just gone on this little bit of a run over his past few fights where he beat Patrick Nielsen on the World Boxing Super Series card last October. Great stoppage, great win. And then he goes and beats Jamie Cox, a guy who'd only lost to George Groves. And now, all of a sudden, he's just... He's turned his career around and now he's in a position where if he wins this fight against Sorotkin, they're going to be talking about him fighting for a world title, something he probably never thought would actually happen with the ups and downs of his career. I mean, you've got to look at the fact that the guys that he's been in with, including Jamie Cox, Rocky Fielding, Patrick Nielsen, are all sort of being put at a world level. Obviously, Rocky Fielding's a champion. He's fighting Canelo. We know this now. Jamie Cox fought George Groves. Patrick Nielsen, you know, touted as one of the great fighters of the super middleweight division. So, what we're really, what we getting here is uh, an opportunity to see whether John Ryder can make it and get a shot at a world title. It's quite possible he could do that. Again, it's difficult for me to, to make a judgment on the fight because I don't know a lot about his opponent, Sorokin. Anybody that does will probably be able to tell me otherwise what's going to happen here on Saturday night. From what I know John Ryder can do, if he comes in as game as he's coming in his last couple of fights, there's a very good chance he's going to win this one. And we're going to see a bit of a Cinderella story on our hands here, potentially. 
But it's a fight I'm looking forward to, even though I don't know much about his opponent. I feel like, obviously, it's a, it's a fight they've matched him up for perfectly and a great opportunity for him going forward. And it headlines the bill on Saturday night. But normally, we get these fights on the matchroom cards, like I say, where you think to yourself, ah... Oh, here we go again, another run-of-the-mill show where you're just going to get prospects against journeyman. Actually, there's a few fights in this card that I am looking forward to and I think are quite intriguing. I've got one with Ryan Doyle and Jordan Gill for the Commonwealth featherweight title, which I am looking forward to very much because Ryan Doyle ripped that title away from Reese Bellotti, another matchroom prospect, in the last fight. Jordan Gill undefeated in 21 fights. You're expecting Jordan to step up now, and this is the step up you've been looking for. So this is a really good fight between the two of them. I think for Ryan Doyle, he's put himself on the map now with that victory over Bellotti. Nobody expected him to go into Bellotti's backyard and rip the title away from him, and he's done it. And this is a really big opportunity for him to continue to progress his career. Jordan Gill said in interviews that if he doesn't win this, then he's not at that level. Well, yeah, you're right, Jordan. If you don't win this, you're not at that level. But it's going to be a great fight. I'm really excited for it. I think knowing Ryan and knowing Ryan through interviewing him previously and speaking to him at various shows I've been at and seeing him in action and seeing the way he beat Reese Bellotti, I think this is going to be a very good fight and he's going to come in there very game. Jordan Gill's going to have to be very skillful as he has been in the past. We've seen Jordan Gill. I don't know if you've seen the, mat, the matchroom next-gen card earlier on uh, this year when he fought Jason Cunningham. I thought that was a very, very good fight. And a fight that really, for me, told me a story about Jordan that he's not just this flashy boxer who can beat pro, uh, journeyman. He's a guy that can go in with legit fighters and do well. So we'll see. We'll see come Saturday night. Another good fight on the card. Super welterweight division, another prospect, Ted Cheeseman, fighting Asinia Byfield for the vacant British super welterweight title. Another great matchup, another great fight. Ted Cheeseman, we've been wanting to see him step up and step up and step up. There's loads of people wanting to see him step up. He beat Matthew Ryan in 2017, and then he comes, gets a few fights under his card. And then fights Carson Jones, who I think was past it at that point. Don't think he was the same Carson Jones. Well, he wasn't the same Carson Jones he fought Kell Brook and he went, him life, went with him life and death. But it was another good name on his record. And then he beats Paul the Upton. The last few fights of Cheeseman's have seen progression. And ultimately, you want to see that continue. And this is a great opportunity when he fights Asinia Byfield. This, I think this is going to be a really good fight. I mean, Byfield, he fought for the Southern Area Super Welterweight title in 2016 against Arthur Herman and lost on points. And then since then has come back and beat Eric Oshiang, John Brennan. And one for me that was really impressive was the win against Sammy McNess, who we have now seen go on to do really, really well. So, for me now, this is, is as a, for both men... It's a really good fight and it's a really, really good test of where their careers are and where they're going to go. Ted Cheeseman, is he the big cheese, as they say? Or is Asinia Byfield the man to step forward and progress his career further on? Now, I've done a little article about this next fight on EastleyBoxingRepeat.com. Isaac Chamberlain versus Luke Watkins. A fight that, for me, is it's going under the radar. Domestically, the cruiserweight scene is booming at the moment. You've got Lawrence Coli defeating Matty Askin in that stink fest a couple of weeks ago. But Lawrence Coli has beat both of these men. And both of these men are at a stage of their career where they, 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 they don't want to fight journeymen. They don't want to fight European-level journeyman fighters. They want to fight great domestic fighters. And they're facing each other. And it's jumping out of the frying pan into the fire as they say with this fight because they're both coming back off the loss to the same man Isaac Chamberlain uh, had a broken tibia and patella and has come back and he's got into rehab and he's recovered Luke Watkins lost in June to a coli and he's looking to get his cruiserweight career back on track after losing the Commonwealth title so I've got to give him credit because they took a really really good fight on 
here. This is this is not just I'm going to go and fight someone, get myself warmed up for a bigger fight, which they quite easily could have done. They both said they wanted it, and it's been made. And it's another good fight. It's, for me, it's a genuine 50-50 matchup, as is Cheeseman and Byfield, as is Doyle and Gill. Three fights there straight away for me that, that line up to be to be really great fights. And I think that's what's going to make this card. Obviously, the John Ryder fight is going to make the card if he comes victorious in this one. So we've got four there, good fights on that card. Felix Cash fighting for the WBC International Silver Middleweight title against the Manchester-based Dutchman and Stephen Daniel. He fought over in Canada a couple of months back uh, against one of their prospects in Castillo Clayton and lost via a unanimous decision. So I don't know if at this stage of his career he's still got the hunger and desire to progress on, but we'll see. It's another good test for a matchroom prospect in Felix Cash and a good step up for him. I will say that in this one. There's been some pretty good matchmaking on this card. And then we go down the card. Martin J. Ward returns, Reese Pilotti, uh, Louis Lynn, Charlie Duffield, George Fox also on this card. So for me, it's been better than the past couple of weeks and the past couple of outings for the matchroom bills that we've had. And I think this is probably the, the most 50-50 card that we've had for matchroom in the past few weeks, I think. I don't know if anyone can tell me anything different. Let me know. Give me a tweet on Twitter at Sean Basto ESBR. Is there any other cards that you've seen recently that has, that has been as 50-50 match as this one? We'll see. Going around the country, there's quite a few cards on. We've got a card over in Newport, Ash the Flash Lane, against Robbie Turley for the Commonwealth Super Bantamweight title. In the Municipal Hall in Colne, we've got Luke Blackledge, Mickey Ellison, Sam Larkin, uh, Dan Catlin, Alex McClaw, all local guys in the North West that are on there. Uh, we've got a show on in Liverpool with Nick Ball and Alex Dickinson on there. And then we've got a showdown in South Parade Pier. David Birmingham who recently picked up a good win on one of the cards down in London. We've got a show on in Walsall and a show on at Villa Park. So I'll tell you what, very, very busy across the UK this coming Saturday night. So let's move over to the USA. Let's talk about what's going on over there this weekend. Two good cards. Two cards that people are going to be interested in. And the first one is coming from New Orleans. And it's Terra Flanagan going for the interim WBC World Super Lightweight title against Regis Pagrai in a fight where it's make or break for Terry, I think. And I don't think he looked great in the hooker fight. I don't think he looked to the best of his ability. People before that fight didn't really give Terry any credit for where he got to. He should have he should have given credit, to be fair. I'm gonna be biased and say you should have given credit here. But I can understand now, like people seeing a fight where he didn't perform and all of a sudden he's a shit fighter. He's not a shit fighter. He really isn't a shit fighter. He just didn't he didn't give it to the best of his ability in that fight. He let Hooker fight his fight. And he can't do that against Pagrai because Pagrai, so far in his career, uh, has looked a very, very good fighter. And this will tell us, this fight will tell us whether or not Pagrai is legit. Now, he beat Julius Ndongo earlier on this year, who we've seen beat Ricky Burns, and we've seen got beat off Terence Crawford. So we know he's been in with legit fighters. In his last fight, he beat Juan Jose Velasco which was the vacant WBC Diamond Super Lightweight title, and that was also via a TKO. So we know from the last few fights of Pagrai, he is a legit fighter. A very legit fighter, as far as we can see on the record. But a win against someone like Terry Flanagan, a former world champion down at lightweight, will definitely stamp the authority on the fact that he is a legit fighter. A lot of people are saying he's very legit, he's very... He's going to beat Terry Flanagan. That's what a lot of people are saying. I don't think there's a lot of people out there that are giving Terry Flanagan a chance. There is people that are, but there's probably more that aren't. I think Terry Flanagan's going to have to be really smart and he's really going to have to be 110% to beat Pagrai on Saturday night. From my perspective, 
I want him to win because he's from Manchester and I'm Manchester biased, of course. Hey, it's my podcast. I will be biased about Manchester. I hope he wins, but if Pagrai comes out there and does a number on him, completely outboxes him or even stops him like he stopped his last week opponents, then I've got to hold my hands up and say, this guy is a very legit fighter and he could be a contender to win the whole tournament. Also on the undercard then, we also have the other super lightweight contest with Anthony Yigit against Ivan Baranchik for the vacant IBF super lightweight title. Now, Yigit you might have heard of before. He has got a great record at 21-0 with one draw in his record. He's been in with the likes of Lenny Dawes, who you may know. He fought him last year for the EBU title, European Super Lightweight title. Been in with Phil Sutcliffe Jr., Demarcus Corley, a very faded Demarcus Corley at that point. So he has had some good experience in his career so far. He fought Joe Hughes last year also, and that was for the European Super Lightweight title. So for me, this is a big step up for him. And a big step up against another undefeated fighter who could potentially stop him. It could do, we'll see. It's a really good fight. On Barashek's record, we have Petr Petrov, who is someone that Terry Flanagan has previously fought. So this is going to be an interesting fight. If I'm going to say anything about this fight, this is probably the fight of the first round of the tournament which not a lot of people are probably going to look forward to because they don't probably don't know the names. It's worth tuning in. Of course it is, because you never know what you're going to get. But if you don't know them as a household name, you're kind of inclined not really to, you're not, not to tune in if you're casual because you're thinking, I don't really know these guys. Uh, I'll just tune into the guys that I know, like Terry Flanagan or Pagrai. So we'll see what happens. But I hope it's a good fight. I hope it proves everybody wrong. We'll see come Saturday night. Now, the next offering from Matchroom and DAZN, also on the same night, is over in Madison Square Gardens. Danny Jacobs fighting for the IBF World Middleweight title against Sergey Derevachenko. I think I might have got that right in one. <laughs> this is going to be a really good fight, I think. We know what these Ukrainian fighters are like and how quickly they can progress through the ranks. Look at Lomachenko. Look at Usyk, and now Derevachenko is another one who has come through the ranks. A good, good amateur career, and in fact, a very good amateur career, which is why at 32, this is his first opportunity for a world title, and his 13th fight. Now, this is a massive step up for Derevachenko. Massive step up, given the level of opposition he's fought in the professional ranks. The name you may know on the record is Sam Solomon. That is the name you, you may have known of from the, this division. Obviously previously been in uh, with the, the likes of Felix Sturm in the past, which was a no contest. I don't know if anyone remembers that one. There was a fight there. Anthony Mundine, he's been in with him twice. So there's a couple of names on the record there that he has been in with. So he's got great experience. And obviously Terevachenko has got this experience. But a lot of people are hyping him up. And this could be a potential big banana skin for Danny Jacobs. <clears throat> Danny Jacobs, though, as we know, is legit. He's a legit middleweight, previous middleweight champion. Fought the likes of Gennady Kolovkin, took him the distance. Could have possibly won that fight on some people's cards. Speak the likes of Sergio Mora, Peter Quillen, Caleb Trulax. He has been in with some great fighters. Lost to Dimitri Perog. Oh, that's a guy that, obviously, we've uh, we've not seen. For a long time, Dimitri Pirog, I think he's retired now, in fact. I think he um, wasn't able to continue on his career, from what I remember. Uh, someone, again, will probably point that out to me. I can't remember why it was, but I think it was a brain injury or an eye injury or something that's kept him out. Anyway, back to Jacobs. Jacobs, legit, yes, we know this. Is he going to continue to march on through his career? People will say he is. Do I think he's going to continue on? On paper, yes, but... I need to see what Derevchenko's got on Saturday night. If he comes there like the Ukrainians that have come before him, the U6, the Lomachenkos, if he's anything like them, then we're potentially going to see an upset on the cards here and a new middleweight star in Derevchenko. Also on that card, you have 
Alberto Machado versus Hyundai Elevens for the WBA Super Featherweight title. Former boxer turned MMA fighter turned boxer again, Heather Hardy, undefeated in the boxing world, faces off with Shelley Vincent, who she's fought before, for the vacant WBO World Female Featherweight title. And that's about it. That sort of wraps up the action coming up from this weekend. I apologise if there is something I have missed off during this recording. But I want to move on then to the next segment of the show, and I want to go to This Week in Boxing History. I wish I was 50 years younger and I'd kick your ass. It's over! Mamma mia, he's done it! Anthony Joshua defeats Vladimir Klitschko! So it's this week in boxing history, and there was one that I picked out, and it's specifically on this day, funnily enough, 24th of October, and it was back in 2008. I did post this on East League Boxing Repeat social media today because it was a fight that I, I do remember happening, and I do remember being very controversial. So it was Lucien Butte versus Liberado Andrade. And Lucien Butte retained the IBF super middleweight title. Now, in this fight, Andrade was down in the 10th. Butte was down in the 12th, with only five seconds left to go in the round. So Andrade went to the furthest neutral corner after flattening Butte. During the mandatory eight count, referee Marlon Wright turns to Andrade and admonishes him for being in the wrong corner, giving Butte, who was out on his feet at this point, by the way, so much time to recover. So... After the referee turns his attention back to Butte, he carries on the count where he left off. Once it reached eight, the fight had ended, the bell had gone. He was saved by the bell, which was wrong because he should have been counted out. And it seems to be something that seems to still resonate, not in the right way, with fans of Andrade because I posted it and tagged him in it on Facebook. And there was a lot of guys talking about it on Facebook earlier on today about this fight. And it was a fight that Butte should have, on paper, should have lost. So, there you go, October the 24th, 2008, Butte retained that title. Also, then, in this week, we have back on the 25th of October, 1990, Evander the Real Deal Holyfield knocked out James Buster Douglas to win the World Heavyweight title. Buster Douglas is probably his his best payday he ever had in his career. He paid in excess of $20 million dollars as he entered the ring and if you remember the fight or you've not seen it he was badly out of shape coming into this fight and this was after he'd just beaten Mike Tyson and shot the world this was his next fight defending it against and Van der Holyfield and then he comes in out of shape why? why would you do that? he got paid a lot of money for it to be fair but there, there you go there's another one there to talk about uh, October the 26th as well let's talk about October the 26th what happened then? Well, Wilfredo Gomez knocked out Nicky Perez in 1979 to retain the WBC Super Bantamweight title. And we're going to go back to October the 27th now. I'm going to go back even further. So we've also got, in October the 27th, 1977, the birth of Zab Judah. We've also got, on that date... This was back in 1949. World middleweight champion Marcel Serdan, 33, died in an airline crash whilst en route to New York for his rematch with Jake LaMotta. It's crazy, isn't it? It's absolutely crazy what happens in, in boxing history. We've also got, on the same date, 1936, Henry Armstrong winning over 10 rounds in Mike Berloise. And we've also got... In 1942, Ezard Charles beating Joey Maxime. This was the first in a five-fight series between these two, all won by Charles by decision. So, that concludes this week in boxing history. Let's move on and go to the next segment of the show. It's the one we all love. It's the news and it's the gossip. So, what's been going on then this week? Well, there's always stuff going on, isn't there, in boxing 
every single week there's something new that comes out whether it's speculation whether it's truth but two bits of information coming out of this week is the Charlo brothers both of them have been announced to fight on the 22nd of December on the same card at the Barclays Centre Jamel Charlo facing off against Tony Harrison it's the WPC super welterweight crown and then we've got Jamal Charlo fighting Willie Monroe Jr WPC interim middleweight title so there you go them two guys on the same card which will be quite interesting to see where they go also Tyson Fury it's going to be on Joe Rogan's podcast which I can't wait for I really want to see how that one goes down and if you listen to Joe Rogan's podcast you know that it can go anything between two and three and a half hours long so this will be really interesting because Tyson Fury is a bit of an enigma isn't it you know the guy's got stuff that you've probably not heard about and this will be a really good platform for him to do it on and I am genuinely looking forward to hearing it regardless of what some people might think about him I think he's a character. I think boxing needs characters. And I think I am looking forward to hearing what he's got to say on the Joe Rogan podcast. So also this week, there's been speculation that Kel Brook has left longtime trainer Dominic Ingle. There's no actual confirmation that that's happened. When asked about it today or yesterday, I believe... He said he could be still my trainer. He might not still be my trainer. It's like Bruce Forsyth's game. All I can say is he's training extremely hard in Future Ventura three times a day for a fight in December, which I believe, I have it on good sources, that it's going to be around the 8th of December that that fight's going to go on. So, what else has been going on this week? Tevin Farmer, after beating James Tennyson's now called out John O'Carroll. Well, that's an interesting one. John O'Carroll, as we know, Irish sensation, looking for a big fight. That could be it. Also, I talked about it, Michael Conlon. I believed he was on the Frampton Warrington undercard. I was right, he is. He's also going to be joined by Paddy Barnes on that card as well. So that'll be good for Paddy Barnes to come out this weekend. Also, you've probably already heard it about the matchroom bill going on this Saturday in the copper box Jake Balls pulled out of his fight with Craig Richards so Craig Richards is still going to be fighting he'll probably be a last minute opponent just to keep him active we were talking about last week Manny Pacquiao Adrian Broner Manny Pacquiao has joined up with advisor Al Heyman to guide the remainder of his career Heyman's PBC will work in partnership with Pacquiao's own company NP Promotions that's another interesting turn of events for Manny Pacquiao there and we'll see where that one goes as well also this week, Tyson Fury's 19-year-old brother, Tommy Fury, has signed a promotional agreement with Frank Warren and will now make his debut as a light heavyweight trained by Ricky Hatton. And he's also on the undercard of Frampton versus Warrington. So, what can I say? It's, it's, it's really good. Some really good news coming out of this week. And actually, there's just talking about it, there's one fight that I have completely disregarded about this weekend coming up. And I'm so sorry that I've completely disregarded it. How could I forget about Pula versus Fury? I'm going to have to quickly touch on that now. Pula versus Fury this weekend. I knew there was something I missed out earlier on. So this is going to be a great fight. It's a eliminator for the IBF heavyweight crown, which is currently held by Anthony Joshua. It's in Sofia, Bulgaria. I've heard an interview with Peter Fury today and, and he's talking about the old school methods of training outside and how he feels it's good mentally, mentally as well as physically for the fighter and I heard the interview from Huey Fury as well and I'm quite they're both, they're both grounded they're both down to earth about it Peter agrees that Huey lost that fight with Parker because he could have done more in the fight and I agree and I think if, he, if he's going to beat Pulev this weekend He's got to box the same way, but be more aggressive when he fights. If he's as aggressive as he was against Sam Sexton, he may leave himself open to be caught by a Pulev shot, by a Pulev left. There's a big chance that could happen. But if he fights the way he did against Joseph Parker, but puts that more spite into his punches, the same spite he put in against Sexton, there's a chance he might hurt an aged 37-year-old Pulev, who, don't get me wrong, he's ageing, he's not been through the wars, he's still probably got a lot left in the tank, but I think Fury's the better boxer overall, and I think Fury can beat him on Saturday night, 
He's just got to make sure he executes the game plan to perfection and doesn't leave it in the hands of the judges. If he does, he's going to really have to completely outbox him where the judges cannot give it to anyone other than Huey Fury on Saturday night. I want Fury to win. We'll see. I hope he wins. Again, we'll see. Has Pulev got anything left in the tank? Fury, Fury's got to be careful. As far as I'm concerned, Fury has got to be careful and make sure he doesn't get caught with one of them big shots from Pulev. We've seen what he did to Vladimir Klitschko, how close Pulev was to stopping Vladimir Klitschko in their fight a couple of years ago. So we know he's got legitimate power. I just think Fury's a better boxer, and I think he will do well. So, I forgot about that. <laughs> so let's move on then. Let's go to the final section of the show today. It's Q&A's. Anyone been asking this week? Have we got any questions coming into this week's episode? Yes, we have. Friend of the show, Paul Altai. He's asking, with the return of Rigondo, where do you see him slotting in? What division would you most like to see him in? Paul, I think he needs to stay where he is division-wise. I don't think he should be moving up a weight. I think for for Rigondo, in the fight with Lomachenko, they looked... You could see it a mile off. There was so many different physical advantages that Lomachenko had because he was clearly going to be moving up a weight. But I just I just feel like Rigondo needs to stay where he is at the moment. And I think if he's going to come back, he needs to come back and he needs to have a legitimate fight. He doesn't need to be getting in with some unknown fighter who's not going to do anything for his reputation. At this stage of Rigondo's career, he needs to be fighting big-name fighters for me. And if he doesn't, then... I'd rather not see him come back because it's just a waste of time. It took us so long for him to get a legitimate fight against someone like a Lomachenko. If he comes back and doesn't do that, then for me, it's, it's, it's a pointless pointless exercise, to be honest with you. I think I'd, I'd like to see him staying in the same division and try to push himself for a big fight. Anyone else asking questions this week? I'm just scrolling through the Twitter account now just to have a quick look yes DJ Boxing Blog Stephen Donnell Giovanni Davis is Floyd ruining his career or is Floyd reacting to a young man doing that by himself oh good question is Giovanni Davis ruining his own career yeah based on what I've seen so far in the ring very good fighter outside of the ring looks like a bit of a dick at times comes across like a bit of a dick as well and that's the problem with Davis he needs to get control of his life outside of the ring someone like Floyd Mayweather you'd expect him to just put this sort of hand on his shoulder and say look this is what you need to do this is what you need to do to be successful like me this is what you need to do to make all this money don't do this he needs to be giving him a guiding hand really rather than being a typical Floyd Mayweather and trying to respond to everything and trying to, you know, show he's this and he he's the king and you know, blah, 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 blah. He should be helping the guy out and giving him the guiding light that he needs. I mean, look what happened with Broner. Broner, again, another self-destructing type of guy. He should have, rather than, you know, taking the shit, he should have just helped him out. And that's what's going to end up happening to, to Davis. It's going to end up spoiling his career through the fact that He's got issues outside of the ring which need to be addressed. And there'll be a huge shame if that's the case. So, I think that's about it. I don't think there's any more questions. I'm quickly just scrolling through now to see if there is anything more that somebody else has asked. I don't think there is. I think they're the only questions we had this week. So... That's it, really, for this week's episode. I, I hope you've enjoyed it. I hope I've been able to give you an overview of all the fights uh, and that Fury fight near the end there. And I hope I've been able to give you my thoughts and opinions on everything. And if you've got anything you want to add to the podcast episode or any thoughts and comments you want to make on it, you know where to find us. We're at BTR Boxing Pod. You find us on Podbean. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Stitcher, Player FM. We're on Eat Sleep Boxing Repeats YouTube channel. You can find us everywhere. That's where we are and all I ask for everybody is just go on and leave us a review because the reviews are what attract other people to go in seeing whether this is a decent podcast or not now there's the few reviews that we have had they've been great really happy with them can't thank everybody enough for them 
but we need more people to do it. The more people that do it, the more likely are people to see it. And it's, it's great because when you get an email to say, you've got a new follower, it's nice to know that this these are followers that are genuine, legitimate boxing fans because they follow other boxing podcasts. So it's nice to see that. And if you listen to this podcast and you've only just started picking it up at this point, go back and have a listen to a few of the older episodes, uh, the one-off specials with like Angel Man Freddy, Barry Jones, James Smith. Get listening to them. Get listening to the ones where we've had interviews on with the likes of Dave Allen, Anthony Fowler, Spike O'Sullivan, you know, to name but a few. There's been some great interviews uh, over the course of the past 12 months that we've been a podcast. But other than that... I haven't got anything more to add to this week's episode. Next week, we should have someone on joining me as a guest. We should try and get Hamid or Cameron. We'll see. We'll see if we can get on for next week's episode. But I hope you've enjoyed it as always. You know where to find us on the Facebook, on the Twitter, and across all good podcasting apps. So that's it from me. I hope you've enjoyed it, and I'll speak to you on the next episode. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.